the illegal migrants increase the number of COVID cases, the sausage war between the UK and the EU escalates, and Her Majesty the Queen is cancelled by Oxford University. Hello everyone and welcome to today's programme. We have a lot to talk about from coronavirus, illegal migration, the European Union and Her Majesty the Queen. The left-wing academics and students at Oxford University have decided to cancel Her Majesty the Queen. Now, first let's talk about what's happening with Dover. The Battle of Dover continues. It's been over a year since uh, the rate of illegal entry into this country has gone crazy. Of course, over the last few decades we've already had uh, on a regular basis, a number of uh, illegal boats coming into Dover and other places, but it was always slightly under control, slightly. But over the last year or so, last summer we saw a massive rate. This summer is going to get worse, and we've already seen it's only June, and the numbers are higher than before, ever before. But one big problem right now is this country is having a massive debate about uh, the freedom date, 21st of June, ending all the restrictions that. Uh, we had with lockdown, with social distancing, with face masks, and considering SAGE. And the scientists around the government uh, simply rely on number of cases, even though there are a number of questions around uh, how these cases are uh, identified, because some of these tests, of course, they're not accurate, uh, and uh, a lot of times they don't even, they should not be recorded in that sense. Uh, but if the number of cases go up and they freak out, even if ICU level, uh, is not high, even if uh, the death rate is not high, the government freaks out. Now, if they are really concerned about this, because they want to, at this point, extend the uh, uneasing of uh, the lockdown measures, if they're really concerned, they would do something about Dover, because clearly we are having a big problem. Uh, they're now saying, reporting that the uh, channel migrants uh, are bringing in more cases, they are testing more, uh, more positive uh, than uh, ordinary people in this country. Now, at this rate, uh, the way things are going, uh, if they are bringing in the illegal migrants, and, and now we know from last week, a few days ago, that the border force are actually going to France and they're picking them up, bringing them in anyway, and then they test them, and then they, they test, test positive. Of course, they're not socially distancing on the boats anyway. And then they wonder why the Sage are freaking out. This is the problem that you created. Now, initially, the whole thing started because of China, but then the governments and politicians, including this country, are creating this mess, and then they're blaming it on ordinary people. The majority of people out there are just living their lives, they're obeying most of the time, they're just doing what they've been told, yet we can't continue having a normal life because this happens, this happens on a daily basis. Now, I, on this channel on Sunday, um, I'm going to have a big, big interview uh, for you guys on the, around this topic as well, so make sure to tune in. But the latest that we have on this uh, report uh, that uh, the illegal migrants are bringing in more case, cases, uh, one issue is that they're talking about uh, there's uh, the army barracks. <laughs> so, so in Kent, we got this army barracks that you know they're housing the asylum seekers and illegal, illegal migrants. Lefties kicked off last week, saying, "Oh, this place is not really good for them." And now they're saying that um, it's not COVID safe. Well, of course it's not COVID safe, it, but it's not. They're trying to use that as an example, as an excuse to say that we should move them somewhere else. It, it's not the actual building. It's not the, the the walls or the doors that are not COVID safe. It's just the way that they are behaving in there. They're not social distancing. There's obviously, of course, you put everyone in the same area. But they're just trying to find excuses to just attack because it's all about these left-wing activist lawyers trying to find ways to make everything comfortable for these illegal migrants, even though they haven't even contributed to our society. 
Now, the numbers are quite, quite interesting when it comes to these um, the positive cases. So 20 times higher uh, the, the COVID cases uh, from the illegal migrants compared to the UK population as a whole. Uh, so considering in this country right now, the cases are quite low, despite a small um, jump that we've seen over the last, last week or so. Uh, but even on busier days for channel crossings, that means that about 3% of arrivals are testing positive. The rate in the UK population currently is 0.16%, which is 1 in 630 people. Whereas right now, between 5 to 10 migrants on a daily basis are testing positive. If you don't stop this, then you cannot blame ordinary people out there who are just waiting to take their, to get their freedoms back. Also, every single time we say freedoms, a lot of people think it's just trivial. We're not talking about trivia. We're talking about people's livelihoods. We're talking about people's businesses, jobs, mental health, cancer patients. Everyone is going through a lot of crisis right now, um, but we can't really do anything about that. We can't resolve all the big issues of our society until we actually go back to what we used to have before this pandemic and this uh, crazy situation that was created by Wuhan labs. And, you know, eventually uh, that report will also come out and eventually the global leaders have to look themselves in the mirror and ask some serious questions about their relationship with the Chinese Communist Party. Now, this whole thing about these cases and, their, for example, the army barracks, everything is an excuse for the left to attack uh, not just our government, but the country in general. Considering we are attacking the government because they're just not competent. We're attacking uh, the border force for not doing their job properly. The bureaucrats in the Home Office for not even questioning the border force when they're messing up. Uh, yet, the lefties are trying to find excuses to just further their own cause. This is not the time to do that. Uh, we know that the 21st of June, or at this point, is probably going to be extended. Now, we're going to find out in the next few days. Now, Rishi Sunak, as Chancellor, and Boris Johnson as Prime Minister, um, we've been told that these two are, you know, trying not to extend it, but apparently the reports and rumours are coming out saying that Rishi Sunak might consider to agree uh, to delay the Freedom Days, uh, obviously the plan, for a week or two. Now, I've, I said this the other day as well on the channel, that if they really think the situation is really, really bad, I don't think a week or two weeks is going to be enough. For them, from their perspective, I'm not really going <laughs> to advocate for this. I'm not going to say, guys, extend it for another six months. But a week or two, they're going to come back and say, oh, okay, we did, we did two weeks. Oh, it's not enough. We might have to do another two weeks and another two weeks and another two weeks. Either be brave and just go ahead with the plan. Or if you're going to ruin our lives, have a clear plan. That's what we thought they're going to have with the roadmap. But have a clear plan. Say we're going to extend it for another two months or a month. And then that's it. But again... That's not how these people work anyway. So uh, we can't really um, depend on logic from Sage or the cabinet office at the moment. Uh, so that's one thing. But on the other hand, there are some positive signs. And some people in government are still quite optimistic about the 21st of June. It really depends what they, they mean by, uh, of course, lifting these restrictions. Because they might still keep some of it. But now they're saying that it's too close to call uh, because of the vaccination rate amongst the um, the young people. So that's actually quite good because a lot of them were freaking out, thinking that um, the majority of young people are not going to take it. But the young people are actually going and taking the vaccine and they're taking the risk and everything else. So uh, that's already happening. And if they are really, really worried about the number of cases, well, that's never going to stop in that sense because just, just like the flu uh, and, and other airborne viruses in that sense, uh, then cases will be there 
But as long as people survive and not die, that's all it matters. I don't care if the cases go up as long as people are not really uh, severely ill or die. Um, that's what we should really focus on. But they're not really doing that. Uh, but now they're having these plans to like, vaccinate children, which is still a bit risky considering the reports are coming out uh, from uh, AstraZeneca and Pfizer. That is, the side effects for children is slightly dodgy. So, uh, But is it really the priority right now to do that, just to bring down the number of cases? The same cases, as I said, a lot of the positive cases are not really accurate anyway. But some people are just fed up and they're giving up. Andrew Lloyd Webber, who we mentioned the other day on the channel, is now willing to be arrested if his theatres are not open on the 21st of June. So Andrew Lloyd Webber, who owns a number of uh, big theatres in London, West End of London, and uh, he's also, of course, a, a, the godfather of this industry. Um, he is trying to uh, be this you know, brave heart character <laughs> to, um, to be the martyr for the industry. And in his defense, of course, there are a lot of uh, uh, industries uh, in, in, in crisis, hospitality and, of course, entertainment. Uh, things like theatre and art, um, they, they, they will completely be destroyed. And they think that, people think that, you know, it's just art, who cares? But it's not just art for the, sake of, uh, for the sake of art. These are businesses. There will be hundreds of people, thousands of people who lose their jobs because of this. And then there will also be a lot of dreams that will be crushed because of this. The whole culture will completely change. Tourism will be affected. The economy, everything will be around it will be affected. A lot of restaurants in Western of London exist because they do uh, bookings for theatre. So people go to these restaurants to eat just to go to the theatre. So everything will be affected. It's not just the, you know, the hippie liberal um, actors who will be affected. It's everybody around it. It's, it's a big, big sector. And Andrew Lloyd Webber has said that he wants to start this war against Boris Johnson and the government unless uh, they actually lift these restrictions. Now... This is going to be escalating for some time. Uh, the main issue is right now we're going through a number of different styles of war. One war is about Brexit. Brexit's sausage war between the UK and the European Union. This is going to be the next couple of months of battles between Brussels and London. We know that the Northern Ireland Protocol caused a lot of trouble. We kind of expected it uh, two years ago when they were talking about this idea. But the European Union promised us they're going to keep it as smooth as possible so that trade between uh, Great Britain and Northern Ireland would remain the same-ish. But clearly, they have undermined their own idea and their own agreement. Now we're having a situation where you know, um, the debates and the discussions between Lord Frost and the EU bureaucrats and the you know, Commission Vice President are not going too well because the Commission are just not giving in. They're not changing their minds. They genuinely believe that the best way to protect the integrity of the European Union single market and customs union is by destroying not just the United Kingdom, but the relationship between the United Kingdom and the Republic of Ireland. Now, these guys don't know, despite the history between Ireland and the UK, uh, that we are, we are still quite close. I and mean, we, were, we were really close uh, until the European Union decided to come in between us and um, this whole thing is going to be a massive massive problem because right now there are people ordinary people in northern ireland who have been affected by this uh, they don't have a voice the media are not talking about them no one really cares there's nothing that's been reported about uh, the effects of uh, the northern ireland protocol and the eu's behavior on the people's daily lives uh, actually in fact at the end of this month 
uh, I will be, I believe it's in two weeks from, uh, from now, I'll be going to Northern Ireland, I'm going to Belfast, and I'll be reporting from there for you guys as well. Uh, so I'll be speaking to a number of local people to see what they're actually uh, thinking and uh, how this whole thing has affected their lives, because as I said, the mainstream media are not really too concerned about it. But uh, the European Union as a whole, their behavior has been astonishing. Um, there's a reason that Switzerland recently walked away from the talks with the European Union, uh, the trade negotiations they were having, because they realized that the European Union, they don't really want free trade. They don't care about cooperation. They are so protectionist that they just would rather have any new partner or ally that you have to say yes to them. It's gone past that idea of uh, the back in the 1970s and the 80s of we're just going to be a, a common market and you're just going to have a family. No, they become so powerful with their gravy trains and all these weirdos at the top who have no qualification to be there, they're all either failed prime ministers or failed presidents, failed foreign ministers, um, that you know, they don't know what they're doing. So the best way to do is to con become control freaks and just completely become authoritarian when it comes to international trade. And that's what, exactly what they've done. They're not going to back down when it comes to uh, Northern Ireland. They're going to have to find some sort of way to convince the UK government uh, to compromise. And then, of course, people in this country will completely kick off. So that's one thing. Um, but going back to the sausage war, because the whole issue around this, which is really, really funny, uh, but very, very sad, is that their worry is that chilled meat being um, well, transferred between Great Britain and Northern Ireland will affect the integrity of the single market. I don't get it. We have a trade deal with the European Union. Um, we, we are, we are, both sides agreed that they are going to be trading goods and products, just like how they were doing it for decades, because we already had uh, well, some sort of deal by being inside the uh, single market. Uh, for some reason, the next day they realized, well, now we don't trust the meat that comes from London or Lincolnshire or Cornwall. It's, really? It's suddenly, British meat is no longer acceptable by the European Union. Um, not only that, if the meat was directly going to uh, the Republic of Ireland, fine. I mean, still not fine, but I can say that, you know, you're trying to protect your single market. They don't even want that meat to be transferred to Northern Ireland, which is still part of our country. That's the problem that we have. This is exactly why we now, we don't really have one country anymore. It's just been split in the middle and you've got Northern Ireland. It's just been an isolated territory that is partly owned by Brussels. And no one's really talking about this. This is not what we were promised. Uh, because the, the Northern Ireland Protocol as a whole could have been implemented differently if both sides were civilized and adults about how to uh, deal with it. But clearly the European Union don't want this. These guys don't really care about uh, history, about culture, about common sense economics. And all they want to do is just to create their own fantasy land. Uh, but eventually this project will fall. Uh, the moment the Eurozone collapses, that's when you're going to see uh, all the big countries and the smaller countries slowly uh, walking away from this uh, idiotic project that Brussels decided to come up with, uh, with all the lies that they told the people of Europe S since the 50s and 60s and 70s. Uh, every single thing that they've been telling us has been a lie. And some people are still falling for it. People like Femi are still obsessed with the project. Uh, but Fantasyland is Fantasyland. There are some other people who are obsessed with their Fantasylands. The left-wing, liberal-left academics and students who live in a different world, who are now cancelling the Queen. Now, we did talk about King's College in London that decided to uh, essentially cancel Prince Philip 
uh, after his death, um, King's College apologized to uh, students uh, for mentioning the name Prince Philip in a letter and a memo. Now, Oxford University, students at Oxford come out, uh, some committee to vote to bring down uh, the portrait of Her Majesty the Queen. I mean, that makes absolutely no sense, considering it's just part of history. The Queen is there. It's, it's not some sort of a, a figure from two, three hundred years ago that owned slaves or anything like that. Their, pro- their problem is with, with the Queen is goes back to the symbol of empire. You're talking about the same monarch who was the reason that the empire ended and turned into the Commonwealth. And we don't really have slaves. She ended all that. She ended the whole, all the colonies. She and, and Prince Philip and this gang, the current um, uh, family right now, are the reasons that modernizing uh, the, the, the monarchy happened because of them. Yet, they are saying that, no, we need to cancel the queen. Well, if you want to cancel the queen, firstly, just cancel all the kings and queens previously as well. Just cancel everything. And then just cancel the whole constitutional monarchy and become some sort of hippie... A republic uh, and and then see what happens to the country makes no sense but we have had some uh, statesmen from uh, the royalist opponents who have said that it is worth considering the reputational damage that this motion would have uh, if passed not only for our common room and college but for oxford students more generally in an era where debates and uh, on no platforming uh, and cancel culture rate strong effectively cancelling the queen and and brandishing her as a symbol of colonialism is so often used as a cinnamon for racism sends a dire message that is sure to enrage well that's i mean that's one thing that you could always say because they, they keep talking about that this actual symbolism well, well symbolism you could you know translate it whatever you want but it really depends what you're trying to achieve by moves like this it is also as they said it's culturally insensitive for a common room so heavily compromised uh, of international students to seek to remove a national symbol from a British institution. The cultural heritage of all nations has the right to be respected, and a common room that does not do so cannot claim to be inclusive. This, this whole debate is getting absolutely ludicrous now. From, to be fair, at times from all sides, because no one knows how to handle it. You've got the woke side doing things like this, and you've got the anti-woke side uh, just shouting. No one really knows how to just calm everything down. And we don't know how long it's going to take, uh, but I think we're going through this cycle now. Uh, it started about five, six, seven years ago uh, in America and in Britain where uh, the liberal left finally woke up and uh, this was a project that was going on for decades since the 60s and 70s uh, by infiltrating our schools, then colleges and universities and then these guys became older, then they got all these top jobs and media outlets and other institutions, some of them are in civil service and uh, some of them work in the White House. So. Of course, eventually, this was going to happen. Eventually, these guys are now running Hollywood and all the big institutions. You see, if, I don't know if you guys saw a few days ago what happened with BAFTA. Uh, the BAFTA Awards. Seriously. Uh, if, if you saw the winners, every single winner was all about to show the symbolism of being woke and diverse. A lot of the people who should have won awards didn't win because they didn't tick the boxes of diversity or victimhood mentality. It's getting very, very sad now that the Academy Awards, uh, whether it's Oscars or um, BAFTA, is just no longer about merit. Uh, But we are here on this channel to give you the truth 
on a daily basis. Let's go to the questions we receive every day from the full members of the channel. If you're a full member, then you can uh, go to the membership area and submit your daily questions as a box, which is submit your questions. I'm just gonna answer a couple of them here. Uh, we got Steven saying, any plans to get the man of mystery, Jeff Taylor on the channel? Actually, that's, that's quite good, I forgot about Jeff. Um, I, I'm basically creating a list to uh, approach uh, a lot of other YouTubers. I interviewed Alex Belfield the other day. I'm going to bring everyone together here now. So I'm going to bring Jeff as well. So I'll message Jeff Taylor. If Jeff is watching this, I'm going to message you. Uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, check out Jeff Taylor's YouTube channel. It's quite funny, actually. He's, uh, he's got this uh, very, very subtle sense of humor. Um, but, uh, but he's very good at analyzing the daily news. Uh, next question is, uh, five people in Dover have been handed injunctions to stop them filming illegal migrants being landed. How does this affect freedom of speech? if such uh, public interest items cannot be reported. Well, um, so firstly, also, also, is your site behind the paywall still class, classed uh, as social media like YouTube? I don't understand that question. Uh, if you want to rephrase it, Stephen, that would be great. Um, so the whole point of this uh, is that there are a lot of people around Dover uh, who are filming the illegal migrants and try to report from there. And, uh, but, for some reason, some of them have been stopped. Now, one of them who's been very, very proactive, um, Stephen Lord, uh, actually, he's uh, going to come on the channel. Uh, he's going to come on the channel on Sunday. And we're going to have an exclusive interview uh, to talk about all the things that's been happening, uh, all the things that we don't know. Uh, so he's obviously there on a daily basis, uh, Steve. And uh, uh, I think he's going to give us some sort of information about how the border force are actually behaving there, how they're operating and what they actually do with illegal migrants, uh, what's the process, um, and if he ever sees any mainstream media journalists as well or not. Uh, so yeah, tune in on Sunday for our uh, second edition of our series uh, of interviews, this time with Steve Laws. Uh, Andrew says, hi Maya, I've heard that the EU is to replace English with French as the working language. I cannot see this working as the world speaks English. Yeah, it's just the obsession the French have had for the past few centuries. Um, fortunately for them, the reason that the English language remains the international language and won't be changed is not actually a, because of Britain anymore. It's because of America, <laughs> because of the internet, and because of uh, Hollywood, actually. There are a number of things that the Americans have done over the last century that have uh, strengthened English as the international language. So the French can't really blame Britain. Uh, for having English as the international language anymore. So it's actually the Americans who've been promoting it uh, with all these things. Um, no, I think even if they do try, there will be a number of countries who don't even know French. Like, it's just not going to work. Um, so it's just one of those things that happens every time there's a French election coming up. Uh, so next year's French elections, all the candidates, including the left-wing candidates, become patriotic. They're going to have the French flag out and it's like, oh, yeah, we care about France. I'm like, yeah, you didn't care for four years when you were running the country, Macron. Uh, suddenly you care. Um, so, yeah, that's just a classic French being French. Uh, Arthur says, will uh, the Boundary Commission review be further bad news for Labour? Yes. So, for those of you who don't know, the boundary changes are coming and the Labour Party are not too happy because they think that this is establishment stitch-off <laughs> to help the Tories. Yeah, this is a group of bureaucrats who are just doing it independently. They don't even care about Tories. They don't even like the Tories, a lot of them. And, uh, and it's also going to damage a number of Tory seats. Some of the Tory MPs are going to lose their seats as well. It's just because for the past few decades, uh, the old boundaries 
are so outdated that they were in favor of the Labour Party. That's why they've been doing so well. There are a number of parts and regions in the country where you got dozens of small seats next to each other, and they're all red. They're all Labour, and but then they could actually be three or four bigger seats. Whereas the Tory seats, especially in the shires, you got massive ones, and then you got like two next to each other. That's all you have. Whereas if it was a Labour area, that could have been like twenty MPs for the Labour Party. So you need to bring it down, make it fair in terms of size and representation, and then the Labour Party could actually see if this country want to vote for the for them or not. And so yes, they are kicking off. It is bad news for Labour. Um, but if it does go ahead, then it's going to be quite interesting to see how the red wall will react. Uh, so this is uh, all the questions that I have time for to answer. Uh, thanks again for watching. Uh, if you guys have any, uh, oh, actually, I just realized it's Wednesday. So if you're watching this at 6 p.m., uh, the full members, we have the Zoom call at 6.30 p.m. If you haven't signed up to our Zoom calls, uh, go into the membership area, uh, just underneath the box where you can submit your questions. You can see the calendar uh, for the Eventbrite. Uh, so every Wednesday, 6.30 p.m., we have Zoom calls with the full members of the channel. As so you can join, have a chat with us, just casual. And if you have any questions, bring it up. Thanks again for watching. I'm Maya TC. I'll see you guys in the next video.